When I first came in this morning, um, Eric said, I broke a string on my electric guitar, and I said, oh, well, surely there's some electric guitar strings in your office, and uh, I'll go look for them. So I went and looked. I didn't find any electric guitar strings, but I did find some pirate eye patches. <laughs> no idea why he has pirate eye patches in his office. He said he's never seen them before. I said, yeah, right. So uh, he didn't seem to want them, so I'm just going to give them out this morning to get us started. Does anybody want a pirate eye patch? All right, that's what I thought. Here we go. Just throw them up in the air like that, and you can share them with your neighbors. Or hit some people over here on the left side. I could probably slingshot them if I wanted to. All right, ready, kids? But my best effort here. Oh. <laughs> Word to the wise, they are not aerodynamic. Right. Here we go. There you go. There you go. I'm out. All right. That has nothing to do with today's message. Everybody's thinking, praise the Lord. All right. My name is Matt Howe, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills uh, United Methodist Church, and excited to be with us. Uh, it's our second week in our sermon series. It's only a three-week sermon series, so if you missed last week, you got today and you got next week, and that's it. Uh, this is called the Holy Spirit, right? So let's read the words underneath together. They read as this, power, passion, and protection, right? So last week, we talked about how uh, the Holy Spirit, right, the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us, uh, gives us power. And I referenced 1 Corinthians 6.19, where the Apostle Paul says, Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. Right? And so we have this power residing in us. Right? I mean, God himself has taken up residence in our bodies. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And in addition to the Holy Spirit bringing us power, the Holy Spirit also brings us passion. And this is an explosive passion, right? It's the kind of passion that you had for your spouse when you were first married. And still today. <laughs> right? That's what I meant to say. It's an explosive passion. It's a, it's a passion to serve others. It's a passion to love others, specifically the way that God loves us, right? So the question is, how does God love us? Well, the answer to this question lies in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now, there's a really good chance you've read this before, but if not, let me read it for you. This is 1 Corinthians, the entire chapter, chapter 13. It's not that long. Okay, bear with me. Paul says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfection will disappear. 
When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And let's say it together. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. You see, Paul had just spent chapter 12, the previous chapter, letting the Corinthian church know how important it was that each member of the body be fulfilling their God-given role. They best accomplish this when exercising and utilizing the gifts of the Spirit. Paul said, to one person has been given the gift of, right? And he fill in the blank. To another, he has given the ability to fill in the blank. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, Now all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. And so Paul's kind of making his case for how each of us has been given gifts by the Spirit to be utilized for the kingdom. And if one of us ceases to use our gifts, then the body is not complete. Well, in chapter 13, Paul kind of switches gears a little bit and he begins to define what real love is. And he makes a case for love being more important than all of the spiritual gifts exercised in the church body. Great faith Acts of dedication and sacrifice and miracle-working power have little effect without love. Love is what makes our actions and gifts useful. Although people have different gifts, love is available to everyone. How is love available to everyone? Well, it's available in and through God's Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5 Paul writes, he says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So the Holy Spirit is what helps us to live out the character of Jesus. Loving each other with patience, kindness, endurance, encouragement and sacrifice. We are unable to to manufacture unconditional love without the Spirit controlling all parts of our mind, our will, and our emotions. We need the Holy Spirit to produce Christ-like love in our thinking, our attitudes, and our actions. True love is not self-centered. A Spirit-generated love does not have excessive pride, nor does it launch incessant comparisons with others. True love comes from God. This is why I tell our young people, if you want to be loved by a man or a woman the way that Christ intended you to be loved by a man or woman, then why would you even waste time dating someone who doesn't have the spirit of God living in them? In other words, before I can love another person unconditionally, I have to experience the unconditional love of Christ in my life. Now, I truly believe this. Some of you probably don't, and that's okay. I mean, you're wrong, but that's okay, right? Ha, 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 it's okay, back off, right? 
Some of us have had to learn this lesson the hard way. We found ourselves already in relationships, right? Knee deep in relationships where one or the other partner did not believe the same way we believed, did not have the faith that we have, did not understand the love of Christ the way we did. And this isn't to say that God can't change a heart, right? Because he can. God's in the heart changing business. But what I am saying is that if you are on the pre-marriage side of marriage, right? You haven't married yet. And you know that you want to be loved as Christ loves his church. Then why would you waste time? And why would you waste someone else's time with a relationship that can't possibly produce that? In today's world, it's, well, why don't we move in together before marriage so that we can see if things are going to work? But the truth be told, if you want to give your future marriage a fighting chance, then there's only one cohabitation that's actually going to work, and that's the cohabitation of the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit to come live with you, and then you'll have the means for a godly, healthy marriage. Because what do we know? We know that the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is a gift from God. Paul, uh, Peter tells us as much in Acts 2.38. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In addition to that, we also know that the Holy Spirit does three things. Brings us to a place of surrender. Helps us to reach our full potential. And teaches us to love others. So if you would allow me this morning, I'd like to break each of these down a little bit. The first is this. The Holy Spirit brings us to a place of surrender. The Holy Spirit is the one who dwells in us. Again, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides us and ultimately convicts us of sin. We cannot live a holy life without the Holy Spirit in us. However, we cannot experience his passion without totally yielding to him. We must, as an act of our wills, completely surrender our lives in obedience to Christ. A few weeks ago, uh, we were going to grab dinner real quick out. And so uh, it was actually just the boys and I together. Uh, the girls were all doing something else. And so we stopped by City Barbecue. How many City Barbecue lovers do we have? Right? That's right. Good stuff, right? And we stopped by, and you know how they have the uh, bottled drinks there in the front, um, you know, as you're going through the line? Well, the boys saw sodas, bottled sodas, and that's kind of a treat. You know, we, we often just give them a lot of soda in other ways, but bottled soda's a treat. And um, so we decided, you know, one of the boys was like, I really want the red cream soda. And I'm like, cool. So he grabs the red cream soda, and then one grabs the orange or something, and we go on home. So we get home. Uh, we're going to go downstairs. By the way, downstairs in our house is the only place that's really carpeted. We have a few throw rugs places, but the carpet is only, only exists in the basement. Now, I don't know about you guys, but carpet is like a spill magnet, right? I mean, like, you could have one four-foot by four-foot square of carpet in an entire, like, 3,000-square-foot house. And somehow, every colored thing, right, every nasty, whatever, muddy foot, every... Vomit from a dog. I mean, it doesn't matter. Everything is going to find that carpet, right? 
And so the boys, you know, they get their plates. I'm upstairs making their plates. They go downstairs. They have their drinks or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, and I'm like, make sure you hit the bar, you know. And, well, that didn't happen. And the next thing you know, I hear screaming from the downstairs. Oh, we had a spill. And I go down. There's a trail of red cream soda on our, like, you know, colored carpet. I lost it, right? I mean, I lost it. I was angry. I was upset. Uh, I did a, uh, you know, non-spiritual kind of moment in my life, right? And uh, kind of yelled a little bit, and uh, overreacted in the situation. Anybody ever overreact? Anybody ever overreact? No, 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 none of you. Just me, right? Man, I wish I was as spiritual as you people. Uh, but seriously, we do that, right? We we cut someone down, we cut someone off, uh, we talk harshly, we act ruthlessly, right? And. And man, it's just like a lifelong lesson for me that in these moments, what I really need to do for myself is a throne check. A throne check. What do I mean by that? What's a throne check? Well, a throne check is based on the idea that in each life, there is a throne, right? There's a control center. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit, our ego, our self is dethroned. But self can kind of steal that back at any moment, can't it? Right? And that's those moments like the red soda on the carpet moment, where daddy's not acting very spiritual, right? And this doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit leaves us. It just means that at that moment, we have taken Christ off of the throne, thereby limiting the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives. Sometimes that happens. But the Holy Spirit will bring us to a place of surrender if we'll allow it. In addition to bringing us to that place of surrender, the Holy Spirit will also help us to reach our full potential. When we finally surrender our will, when we finally allow Christ to be in control, we experience the fruit of the Spirit. Love is certainly a part of that, but also joy and peace and patience and kindness, right? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, 6, he says, We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. Without the Holy Spirit living in us, we cannot experience the full and abundant life that Christ has for us. Going to church and serving in the community, they're good things, but apart from Christ and apart from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. It's as if we're standing at the edge of the pool. How many of you have plans to be in a pool this weekend, right? It'll be hot the next three days. And it's as if we're standing at the edge of the pool with one foot in the water and one foot out, right? Well, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to serve my community. I'm going to do good things and live a good life. But I'm not really going to invite that Holy Spirit into my life, right? I'm not really going to tap into that, to that God-given power and passion that's in me. And I think God would just shout out at us today. He would just shout out us the question, why not jump in? Why not jump in? Why not immerse yourself in the water? Why not let the Holy Spirit take hold of you? Because when you walk closely with him, all of a sudden the whole of your life drastically changes. Our acts of obedience become less frequent. Our disobedience, sorry. <laughs> Caught that, right? Our acts of disobedience become less frequent. The more that we obey Him, the more the Holy Spirit strengthens us to resist temptation, and the more He teaches us to love others. Which brings me to my final point. 
in addition to the Holy Spirit bringing us to a place of surrender and helping us to uh, reach our full potential, the Holy Spirit also teaches us how to love others. In Colossians 1.8, Paul writes, he says, He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Right? So it is the Holy Spirit that gifts in us a love for other people. God's desire is that we have Christ-like love in our thinking, our actions, and our attitudes. In our thinking. Paul writes this in Romans 12. I want to read to you from the message version this morning. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the very best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You see, God wants to change the way that we think. And when we stop worrying so much about this world, and we finally fix our attention on Him, then, and only then, He will change us from the inside out. Suddenly, we begin to see others with the heart of Christ. Even those who are difficult to love. Even those who choose not to love us back. We are to be Christ-like. We are to have Christ-like love in our thinking. We are also to have Christ-like love in our actions. Furthermore, in Romans chapter 12, still the message version, Paul writes this. He says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. I like that. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they are down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. We're to be Christ-like in our actions as well as in our thinking and also in our attitude. Philippians chapter 2 says, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think of as much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, in fact, he set aside the privileges of deity, took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death, a crucifixion. 
man, how do I develop Christ-like love in my thinking, in my actions, and even in my attitude? I'll tell you what, you got to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life. It's only through the power and the presence of God himself living in us that we can have that Christ-like love for others. And so this morning, I want us to just spend a little bit of time in prayer. In fact, I'd like you to go ahead and bow your heads right now. Just bow your heads. Kind of get in your quiet place. Don't worry about anything going on around you or anyone sitting beside you right now. This is just you and God. Your head is bowed. Your eyes are closed. And you're doing business with Him. And specifically this morning, I want you to ask God to give you the gift of His Holy Spirit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to invade your life. Some of us in the room, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would capture us. To capture someone or something is to take that someone or something into one's possession. And so if that's you this morning, just pray and ask God, God, I pray that your spirit would capture me. And that there would be no escaping the mighty arms of God. Others of us here this morning, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would captivate us. To captivate is to hold the attention of. And some of us here this morning, we've been captured, at least initially, but we've recently been cheating on God. We've been spreading and spending our time and attention other places. We've been storing our treasure elsewhere. We've been giving our heart away to other things. And we'll remember the words of Jesus where he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so for some of you right now in this moment, you need to pray and you need to say, God, captivate me. My prayer is that your Holy Spirit would captivate me, that you would grab my attention and that you would hold it. And then still there are others here this morning who need to pray that the Holy Spirit would indeed catapult you. To be catapulted is to be launched in a specific direction. And some of us here this morning, we've been captured and we've been captivated by the Spirit of God. But what we really need this morning is for Him to catapult us into a life of unconditional love and service to others. And so if that is you this morning, then simply ask the Lord to help you yield your rights to Him. To lay down your life to love and serve others. God, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this morning that you would not only capture us, that you would captivate us. And that you would not only captivate us, but that you would catapult us. God, work in and through our lives as only you can, as only you are able. And God, may we begin to see the fruit of the Spirit rising up in ourselves. God, may there be true joy, true peace, true love in our lives. We pray this in the mighty, powerful, precious name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, and all God's people say, Amen.